0: Hey gang, it's John. Thank you so much for joining us for the June version of Deep Dive. And we are incredibly, incredibly honored to welcome back former guest, guitarist Marco Peroni. Uh, Can you believe Marco Peroni talks to us? That is incredible. Well, as I stated on Facebook a while back, Marco has agreed to come back to discuss the 1980 Adam and the Ant classic album Kings of the Wild Frontier. This was really the album where Adam became Adam. The Adam that we would know for the next 10 years or so. The whole pirate idea and costuming and the white stripe across the face and all that kind of stuff. Marco and I discuss, you know, how all of that happened. The kind of conversations that were going on between him and and uh, Adam to to make it happen, to create this image, and then the incredible music to go along with that image. You know, some of the greatest songs, some of the strangest songs too, strangest pop songs, so unique, are a part of this album, which was produced, by the way, by the great Chris Hughes, who was also a member of the Ants. I am dying to have Chris Hughes on here one of these days. Anyway. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I hope you love this album as much as I do. And if you don't or you're not familiar, uh, that would be strange. But maybe this converts you. I don't know what else will do it. Marco is the best. So what we're gonna do, I. You know, you had mentioned wanting the, uh, that friend or foe was such a positive experience, and that's what the yeah. one I wanted to talk to. But right. I threw it out to my listeners to vote, <laughs> I went, no, and they voted we for kings. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, they really wanted kings, which was I okay, yeah. I think All there's right. probably better stories elsewhere, but so we're gonna go with kings today. Okay, and um, I uh, and by the way, just the other day. <laughs> I did one of these with your buddy, Kevin Armstrong, about Iggy Pop's Blah 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 album. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, I remember you saying that you wished or you had played on that or thought you were going to play on it or something.
1: No, like. I, I I've never thought, I never imagined that I was going to play on it. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah. No, I, really, I, mean, no, no, I like should I, I, I wish I had of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I really like that album.
0: Yeah, I do too. And it's such an anomaly. Uh, comparatively to
1: everything else and so I thought it'd be a fun one to chat about yeah what did, what did he say about blah 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 is that did, did he like, is it an album he likes um Iggy has sort of disowned it yeah but... I know he, yeah I kind of I know why I, 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 I think I know why I don't really yeah huh Kevin didn't
0: say necessarily other than it just doesn't really fit in with anything Iggy does now you know stylistically
1: no. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I like it. I, mean, I, 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 I haven't listened to it for years and years and years. But um, I really like some of the songs. Mm-hmm. I like Isolation and shade, Shades. I really Shades. Like.
0: shades is great. And yeah, Hideaway is my favorite
1: on that album. Yeah, I love that song. I can't remember what else is on it. But um, uh,
0: Real Wild Child, Cry for Love, that, the song he did with Steve Jones.
1: Now, what I don't like, really. I don't I don't hate it or anything like that but um um isolation shades yeah fire I forget girl anyway yeah you, there's a
0: few uh winners and losers that was one of the other Steve Jones songs I think
1: yeah yeah no I know I know it's an album that people don't like generally it, it sounds very uh, maybe it sounds too bowie to them I don't know maybe I like it because it's very mm, bowie could be
0: yeah yeah
1: well, it's definitely... Uh, people, people probably don't like that big, those big drums, which I know, actually, listening to it now, I, they are annoying. <laughs> but, I mean, they are sort of a drum sound of the time. Sure,
0: yeah. I think that's it, is that it's so pegged specifically to mid-80s production yeah. technique and everything that they people have moved on. But I think that sound is really fun. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that, you know? You can have everything. You can have a blah, 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 and you can have a, uh, you know, a fun... Uh, fun time in your uh, in your canon it doesn't matter it's all good so.
1: yeah but tr- generally i think the, the, uh, things like the the, the idiot and us for life they they, they become classics oh you they can, sure or, do they, you can listen to them forever maybe maybe fun uh, maybe uh um blah 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 is dated maybe it probably has never played any of those songs live i don't know but
0: I wondered that too. I know he did right when it came out, but I bet he does. I think he does put in real wild child once in a while. You know, yeah. I, I don't think know he about does. every show, but he can probably make that one fit his current, you know, style or whatever, but no, nothing else on there. He hasn't touched. Cause that was, that,
1: that was a single wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was a pretty successful one too. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Kings. Let's, yes. uh Let's get into Kings now. Okay. Um, so, for starters, the story I think is pretty well told. Uh, Malcolm McLaren had sort of taken off with the rest of the ants and formed a Bow yes. Wow Wow. Yes. Um, now, according to a book I read called "Rip It Up and Start Again" by Simon Reynolds,
1: which uh, I've got, was, which I've, got I've um, never read. Which I've never read. You've never read it. It's really <laughs> no. good. I love this book.
0: But um, according to him. Adam held Malcolm in such esteem that he paid Malcolm a thousand pounds to get what the ideas that were in Malcolm's head about what kind of the next wave of music was going to sound like after punk. And Malcolm felt it was really going to be tribal rhythms and Burundi and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I, mean, I don't think he said, I don't think he said, like, oh, Malcolm, tell me what's happening next. I think he just said, Malcolm, what should I do? Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I think the sort of the, the consensus of opinion with not just Adam and the Ants, but generally with everyone at that point, it was like, I think we're all going nowhere yeah, really. Yeah. Because um, after punk, it, uh, you know, after punk, it, the steam was definitely had run out, and it's like, what are we all doing? You know, what yeah. what next? What should we do? Yeah. You guys,
0: I guess, really found a lot of inspiration from this Burundi sound. I wanted to read a a quote from... This is an article that was published in the New York Times, actually, written by Mm. Robert Palmer, not the singer Robert Palmer, but it's from November 25th, 1981. It's called The Pop Life, Latest British Invasion, The New Tribalism. Right. And he says... The appropriation of the so-called Burundi beat by Bow Wow Wow, Adam and the Ants and several other British bands poses yet another moral conundrum. The original source of this tribal rhythm is a recording of 25 drummers made in a village in East African nation of Burundi by a team of French anthropologists. And the recording was included in an album called Musique du Burundi. Uh, blah blah blah. It is impressively kinetic, but the rhythm patterns are not as complex as most African drumming. During the early '70s, a British pop music- musician named Mike Stevenson grafted an arrangement for guitars and keyboards on and released it as Burundi Black. Why was this Burundi beat thing so
1: influential to you? It wasn't particularly. Really? Um, no. I remember that record, Burundi Black, and I saw, I remember it being a really good record. I mean, I don't remember exactly when it came out but uh, Malcolm really liked it and, and when Adam mentioned it I thought I remember I thought oh yeah that was really good Burundi Black because it was literally the drum beat it was like before sampling obviously because all all, all all this whoever made Burundi Black I know nothing about who made it or why they just took the track and just put these keyboards and, and stuff over it and it was pretty good yeah and Malcolm just kind of took this record as an idea. It's nothing like, you know, anything that, you know, we did later or anybody else we did later. We just took that template, that idea. And it was just, I don't know, it was just an idea. It was just a fresh idea of, of, of like, instead of using that kind of rock beat, really, mm-hmm. I, I just thought, yeah, well, okay, that's a good idea. That's a good way to, a good place to start with something.
0: Yeah, okay. It was, uh, I mean, there's really... It's so interesting to me that uh, that that you guys found this incredible way of positioning that type of sound into pop music that was you know uh, could be heard on the radio it's just so different no one would have else would have thought of those things except you guys at that time such an odd thing to be
1: uh, influenced by or excited by you know I just think we were sort of just open to doing new stuff. Yeah. Really. Okay. Desperate, we were desperate to do something, something else. Now, it was said that Malcolm took the
0: ants and mm. went and formed Bow Wow Wow because A- he felt Adam was just too sort of headstrong. He was yeah. too, he wasn't going to be malleable. He wasn't going
1: to be pushed around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you what was the magic of you and Adam's relationship at least back then? Was it uh were you an enabler of Adam's vision? Were you a co-pilot? Did you sort of have your say and it was a diplomacy? What was the magic of the two it of was these was all,
1: all, all of it, really, I, I was definitely an enabler and a co-pilot and I, I, all of it, because I was sort of like, Jeff, I, I sort of thought, oh yeah, this is all good. This is all yeah. I was a, a terrible kind of, yeah. Any stupid idea that he had, and I thought that's brilliant. Which anyone else, I think, would might may have tried to talk him out of. Yeah. I always said, no, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had you heard? I can't remember. Had you heard Dirk Wears
0: White Socks, mm. that album before all yeah. this? You had. Oh yeah. Did you like it?
1: Um, I did. I like it. Um, I I I understood why he'd made it. I understood why. I put a lot of people were disappointed that it wasn't like. All the kind of early punk songs that they they hadn't recorded,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I understood why he hadn't recorded it because it would it would have been a throwback. It would have been a, it, they should have recorded all those punk back songs, but they they didn't. They didn't make that album at the time, huh. so they made this other album because huh. he didn't want to go back and, and make all those you know whatever they were you know beat yeah. my Guests and all that stuff.
0: Right.
1: And in fact, what, what I mean when I met him, he said, oh, "I don't, I don't really want to do all that stuff anymore." Mm. And I sort of said, well, no, you can't, you know, you can't jetson it. You know, it's good. We should do it yeah. in, in some way, in some in some form. We should use it. I didn't, I didn't really know. I didn't really, this is this was all sprung on me. You know, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't formulated anything in my mind exactly what we were going to do with it, but yeah. we should use it in some form. Uh, also, you've got a fan base and they're going to want to hear it and it's good. It's really yeah. good. You shouldn't just, if, if it was crap. No, we should forget it. But it's not crap. It's really good. Right. Now, this album. First of all,
0: you can't really talk about Adam and this period without the style aspect of everything too. I mean, if these, if the music you guys had made had come from guys who were just in like t-shirts and shorts, it would have been just. It the it would not have made the impact that it did. No. Was. Uh, A lot of some of the things I've read is that Vivian Westwood was sort of really into pirate garb at the time. And that was sort of inspiring you guys to be like, yeah, I think let's adopt that. Let's see where we go with that. Was it was did she sort of influence where you guys were looking at stylistically?
1: Yeah. 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 We took we we took that those ideas as well, which was another thing we took from Malcolm. We didn't really kind of steal those ideas from Malcolm. But then again, Malcolm stole those ideas from everywhere else. But they weren't absolutely they weren't stolen exactly no. they were there you right. know they're there yeah they're out there you know they, they they come from history they belong to everybody but and also adam paid adam, uh malcolm a them, so he bought them yeah. in, in, in a way but then again you don't need to buy them they're there yeah from
0: what i had read malcolm and i don't know if you ever crossed paths with him we had him on the show robin scott or m yeah 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 I know, yeah. But,
1: yeah he's dead now isn't he yeah.
0: No, he's still around. Uh, in fact, oh, I just it? yeah, I just talked to him last fall or something like that. He was great. Um, he and Malcolm we were made,
1: buddies, like he, in Paris. Yeah, at the time. we made that br- one brilliant record, pop yeah. music, was amazing record. It is. Yeah, those two. From
0: what I read, those two were hanging out in Paris at the time and really getting into this sort of Burundi sound. And that's so it probably felt more exotic, like you know, Malcolm's come from the far reaches of Paris. To bring you this new idea and this new fashion sense and everything.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: I want to read another quote. This is from a book called Mad World. It's a really great book. And it does a chapter. You're in it, by the way. You're quoted uh, in this. Well, uh, it says, Adamant basically had one theme. The artifice of show business was infinitely preferable to the music press mandated notion of credibility. Yes. Yes. And I don't know how I feel about that, because it imply it feels to me like that implies that he went after this because he thought it would be commercial versus a really cool sound. I mean, was it as
1: calculated as that for you two? That we thought it would be commercial? Yeah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't at all commercial, was it? <laughs> Oh, that's what I mean. In no, in no way was it commercial. I mean, it was just a completely idiotic idea. Yeah. The, f- the fact that it was, oh, we're rubbing our hands together. Ooh, this is we're going to make us millionaires, isn't it? I mean, that, I mean, it's ridiculous. That this is, you know, this is a surefire um, money maker. Yeah, it's like the two idiots sitting in, in my mum's, you know, in my mum's house in Harrow. What do we know about making money? I mean, you know, we right. never made any money. We've made any money. Yeah. We knew nothing about commerciality or making records. I'd never been in a studio. Right. <laughs> I don't know. This is yeah. an idiotic gamble.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. A lot of the other things I read, too, implied that he was sort of, the prior few years, probably including Dirk, that whole experience was so... Uh, unhappy and unsatisfying. It was kind of it was like a last ditch effort. We got to make this work. I'm out of options. Um, was he re- was he somebody who was sort of at the end of his rope creatively, or was it at the beginning of like the new chapter in his life where creativity was going to flourish? Do you know do you know what I mean?
1: No, I felt I. I think we were both at the end of our ropes. So we really, were no- we both got to the point of just getting nowhere. Yeah, with what we were doing. And I think the whole kind of the music in general, was, so it was going nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was really kind of a load of kind of 20-year-olds like who thought they were terribly, terribly, terribly clever. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. We weren't. We were terribly, terribly, terribly stupid. <laughs> um, just like, just trying to be terribly, terribly, terribly <laughs> intelligent. Uh-huh. I mean, just stupid. Yeah. You know, like when that, that you know, the, like the Rima Rima band, you know, like yeah. I was in. I said, this is going fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> we're not playing to anybody, we're not doing anything. Uh, yeah. And, and it's like we're signed to a label that doesn't want to sell records. And like, I mean, I just used to think, is everyone fucking mad? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know? Oh, that's great. I, I never really had that feeling of like, Is it me? I Uh must be wrong. Clearly I'm wrong. I must go along with everybody else because I always thought that I just looked around and think, you're all idiots. You're all completely stupid. Yeah. I've got got to get out. I've got to (laughs) get away from you people. You're complete. Yeah, because you just look around and you go, I don't know. You just look at them and you go, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. I just don't know what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Well, it, uh, your gamble uh, proved successful. It was the number one album of 1981, apparently, in Britain. The number 48 album of 1980. It sort of spans both years, but this had to have just been a, a mind-blowing experience for you, seeing this thing take off, this crazy thing. Yeah, you know? it,
1: it, it, it was. It really was. I think we both wanted, thought we just we want to do something real yeah. and proper and grown up although well, it wasn't at all grown up it was quite you know <laughs> adolescent really right. yeah i mean the whole enemy thing kind of thought they were being adult and intelligent and they were just being childish
0: well the album had three hit singles uh kings of the white uh, frontier reached number two dog eat dog reached number four and ant music also reached number two my personal history with this album is that and I was a little late to the game. I remember in college buying the Antics and the Forbidden Zone Greatest Hits album. This would have been probably around 96, I think. Right. And... Um, oh, God, that's a long time after. I know, it was. I don't know why. I mean, I think America in general was late to come around to a lot of this stuff, you know? I've been an Adamant fan since Goody Two Shoes. That was the first thing I heard. But for whatever reason, it never... I don't know, through high school and whatever, I never got active about actually buying the albums until antics, which I still say is one of the greatest single disc best of package in history. Um, And so from there, I finally kind of, uh, got the rest of the album. So it was probably, I don't know, two 2000 maybe before I finally bought Kings and, um, I loved it. Now I got to ask, were you, uh, I think I remember in the book or somewhere I read this that, um, of course, Michael Jackson famously calls Adamant at like four o'clock in the morning, asking about the the pirate coat that he wears, and Adam doesn't believe him, and they keep he keeps hanging up on him. Finally, Quincy Jones calls with his you know gravitas, and uh, Adam wakes up, takes the call from Michael Jackson. Michael wants to know where he got his jacket. Uh, Adam tells him. Michael goes and buys one, and then he takes that look. Around the thriller era to another level.
1: Do you remember all of this? I do, I do remember it happening, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were in LA and Adam had to was invited out to Neverland. Oh, really? For some reason to have lunch with him. I mean, this is obviously, we knew nothing about Michael's other, uh, yeah. uh, you know.
0: All that stuff, you, yeah.
1: Yeah, we you didn't know. Well, yeah, how could we know? Yeah.
0: You weren't little and boys. Adam, so it yeah you know,
1: and then adam comes back and you know says well i didn't you know lunch with michael jackson like, okay well what does he want i said i don't know and it's like, it's like does he wants anything i said and adam sort of thought there's some sort of you know like wanted some like kind of went to work with him or something like that or some like yeah. wanted something concrete and it's, i don't know i don't know what he wants <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay oh right, that's
0: great um I, I got i read a i was reading so i read adam's book stand and deliver a couple of years ago and uh yeah. i love it for anyone who doesn't know and um i was rereading some parts last night there was a little bit on here that i thought was so fun uh he says we were on tour through the end of that year so we were sitting in a hotel in edinburgh in mid-november when we heard that the king's album had gone into the chart at number four marco and i literally danced around the room chanting number four number four do you remember
1: that no i do yeah running up in the corridor yeah we to really? do that yeah, oh, yeah that's great color that, yeah there was the pinnacle of success right. little <laughs> that we know that was not number four wasn't ever going to be enough because uh-huh. yeah, in terms of numbers it's like kind of yeah, it's never enough is it like and then, and then, like, number four can never, ever, ever be enough. And it's got to be number one. Then it's got to be number one again. And yeah. then it's the number one in another country. More number ones. And it's like, you know, that was, that was quite, like, sweet and naive. Yeah. You know, you can, and, 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 then, and then, of course, like, greed and yeah. ego and all those kind of wonderful things comes in. Yeah. And it's never, never, never. And it's more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And more. And it's like I that can be a never enough
0: again. That. I hadn't thought of that. That's so that ends up being kind of a, almost a bittersweet experience because that's sort of the last time that you can celebrate success innocently. After that, yeah. it's more like, oh, thank God we made it. You know, we did, we did well. Now we got to go do it again. You know?
1: Uh, no, it's it, it's like how dare they? How dare it? it? <laughs> How dare you tell me it's only number two? Oh. Don't come in here and tell you know it's all that. Yeah. Like, Who do you think you are? How do you think I am? That's not enough for me. <laughs> so is this pressure that you're talking
0: about? Is it is it label induced? Is it self imposed? It's self induced. It's it it always really? self induced. Oh, yeah,
1: man. the world is not enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, okay. So the album won best album at the Brit Awards in 1982. Um, were you there? Did you go up on stage? Did you make a speech
1: or anything? I don't think I was there. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I think we were somewhere else. Okay. It's like, it's like, what, it's one of those things where you have to send, you know, Yeah. Right. To, unfortunately they cannot be here tonight.
0: Yeah, whatever. Okay. okay. Just curious. That's uh, another party. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. you got some party to do somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And then lastly, the cover, it's a still from... Uh, and then he would do this a few other times. Oh, yeah. What did you make of the cover? Do you like this? Did you like that sort of style?
1: Yeah. I mean, bizarrely, it's, it's, it, it is like... It's something that you can easily do now in, in a computer. But you, you literally had to... Uh, Peter Ashworth took a photograph of a, of a video monitor. Right. Really? From the yeah. video, It was a picture of the video monitor. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And the idea, it comes from Rock and Roll Animal
0: by Lou Reed. Oh, right. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you're right. And Adam's even got his arms up above his head. Yeah,
1: it's it's the framing of the face with the the arms. That's
0: the idea. Oh, my gosh. I'd never thought of that. Oh, wow. Good. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, well, let's talk about some of the songs. Now, the first song on the album is Dog Eat Dog, but I feel like we have to talk about Kings. Of the Wild Frontier first. Yeah, because though-
1: the, that's the first thing we, we, we recorded, and it took bloody ages. We are <laughs> I remember at the time there was this there was this African musical. It was called Ipitumbi. It was like it was like African drummers and stuff, and it was on uh, at this theatre in Covent Garden. I remember walking past the theatre with Adam, and he sort of said, "Oh, I know. Let's just get those guys. Let's let's like phone them up." and get the Ippytombi drummers down to the studio, and um, you can do that, can't you? And um, <laughs> so I'd never been in the studio. I didn't know how to record anything. I didn't know how to book a studio. I didn't know. I'm just terrified at this idea. I mean, it's like, I don't know how to, what, what do you, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Of course, now it's, it's actually just dead simple. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, all you do, <laughs> all you do is you yourself or you get somebody to phone up the you know the people the, the people who represent the hippie zombie drummers and you you know you book them for a session right. you tell them when it is It's it's it's, it's, it's easy you work out yeah. a price and you tell them when and where yeah it's actually easy it's you actually easy them, and they, right? they just google them yeah you just google them you get in touch and you tell them how long you need them for and you work out a price and they turn up and and you kind of tell them what you want them to do and you record them it's actually quite easy yeah and i'm sure they could do it quite quickly and cheaply but then you don't know you didn't i didn't know how to book people for a session or even if they could do it or it shows you know naivety and all, all that
0: right <laughs> Oh, that's great! Yeah, when in the but going back to that Mad World book, um, you're quoted in here as saying that that was the first song you two wrote together, mm. just two two guitars, and you had no way of recording it. No so way you of recording it. Remember it, anything. and you, you had to remember it. <laughs> you Play it you're for hours and hours every day, just the two of you on guitar, trying to remember
1: this thing. Yeah, you try. I mean, that's it. You had to remember. I mean, you could write it down, obviously, but I mean, yeah. you, there was um. But we could do is sort of write down the chords, you know, E C E C. But now, you know, if you forgot the actual time changes and stuff like that, because uh-huh. I can't, can't write well, still can't write, you know, like manuscript or. or I mean, I can, well, I can, but incredibly badly, and I can't, I don't understand, don't understand what I've just written. Right. Uh, but I mean, but now obviously, you know, the, 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 the you know, the fo- my phone has, you know, uh-huh. better, better better recording qualities than most studios that had then right but right. then there's no there's no way to do it. you just had to simply re- remember it in your head yeah
0: i had read that you were uh the name came from davy crockett and that you
1: were a big yes. davy
0: crockett fan
1: right uh, when i was a kid that was that program was it king of raf davy davy yeah. king of <laughs> the Ralph, that's where it comes right. from yeah um what i don't were, i don't remember i mean that i mean that that program must have been on When I was one or something. (laughs) I mean, I remember that show too, or that song at least anyway. I don't remember what happened in the show. uh, But I mean, or what he did. Or in fact, who he is. But, you know, I just remember that song.
0: Sure. And the coonskin hat.
1: But he's a famous American legend, isn't he? Kind of, yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, he, uh, the Disney, Disney's made several shows and movies about him back in the 50s and 60s anyway, they did. So it kind of solidifies this uh, heroism or this legacy that who knows how if it'd
1: be there otherwise. But, Didn't uh, the bloke who played Davy Crockett then go on to play the bloke from uh, the Beverly Hillbillies? Or does he just look like
0: him? No, he just looks like him. The guy who played Davy Crockett was named Fess Parker. And right. um,
1: that was pretty much
0: all he did. I mean, he did right. other things, but it was one of those things where he could never he was locked in as Davy Crockett for the rest of his life. You know oh, what I mean? yeah. No one could yeah. see, it, see him as anything else. Um, okay, so that first line in Kings of the Wild Frontier is just one of the great lyrics ever. A new royal family, a wild nobility, we are the family. What, are, I mean, are you two just sitting in your mom's house in Harrow yeah. with the two guitars? Yeah. And that line comes out?
1: No, it didn't come out. I think you'd written it before. Oh, it's, Okay.
0: So are lyrics always Adam's domain?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's always got books of, of, of lyrics. I mean, whether they fit or not, they don't always fit. So it was it was always right. a question of trial and error of trying to get them to fit. And some fitted and some didn't fit. And then they had to be jetsoned and others put in. And you know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the music was mostly handled by you. Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, both of us, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, any interesting story? I realized while I was listening to this, as I love this album so much, but there's not a lot of diversity, you know? It's not like one song goes off in this direction and the next song goes off in some completely other direction. It's No, it
1: of... wasn't meant to. It's not meant to. It's yeah. supposed to exist in its own world. When you guys were sitting
0: there in your mom's house writing this, were you thinking, I mean, can you illustrate what the the spark of excitement or of inspiration felt like or sounded like? I mean, you you know, it's you still hear it today. And it all started right there in that little moment, the two of you guys instantly, in your mom's house.
1: Uh, well, it wasn't just in my mom's house. It was actually in, in Adam, Adam's half-landing flat uh. in Olds Court, Pennyworn Road, which was so small that you literally had to kind of get two, two, two people in. You had to kind of like... You had to put some things in his flat on the landing To get fit two people in <laughs> and it was really small Oh,
0: that's great, okay Yeah, this song reached number two in uh, 1981 I can't remember what uh, kept it from number one, do you?
1: I can't remember either Didn't we re-release it Then it
0: was number, yeah. number one. Oh, I think you're right It was re-released and I couldn't remember If it was number one on the re-release or not Okay, yeah I think it was Okay well, what, what, right. what, Why re-release? Were there not other? I mean, it feels like you could have milked this album for
1: more singles. Was that
0: never part of the plan?
1: Just three and you're done? That's what they did in those days, yeah. Hmm. You, you just did three and you're done. Or maybe we did four. Maybe four, you're done. That's what they did in those days. They just sort of thought, well, that's enough. Okay. Okay. They didn't release every single thing as a single. Okay. So let's talk about Doggy Dog.
0: That was another single. It's the first track. Reach yeah. number four in 1980. Mm-hmm. One involved in the sequencing of these albums at all yes you are
1: yeah Yeah. tell me about it well bloody hell the sequencing see nowadays it's obviously the sequencing you can sequence anybody to sequence any album the way you want uh but in those days obviously the, the the order of stuff was really really important because that's how people listen to things You, they couldn't change it so, yes, I mostly did see in, which is really, really important. Mm. And it was really, really difficult because you had to just sort of like swap tracks. And you kind of just had all these tracks on bits of paper. Yeah. And you kind of had to imagine it. Oh, because, really? Well, yeah. How else are you going to do it? Well, I don't know. I assume you're in a... Like if I
0: were making a mix CD for somebody in iTunes, I'm just clicking around. This well, song yeah. sounds like it should follow this song. You yeah. in a studio don't have some kind of capability uh, like that.
1: We didn't have iTunes, did we?
0: No, but I know. But it's all on tracks. So I just wondered if
1: you could hit a button and be like, "Oh yeah, this." How? What? button? No. We okay. had tape. We had tape. You'd yeah, have to point. edit it, wouldn't you? Good then you had to too. the whole thing together and listen to it, and how it doesn't work, so we have to unedit it. Good, good you know, it's physical. It's physical tape that you had to had to edit together with other bits of tape. Yeah. This takes time. Yeah. So it's not I instant. Of that.
0: You're right. I mean, I knew it wasn't digital, but I assumed there was some easier way, but I'd never thought of that before. Well,
1: I, I, what is you way?
0: I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You're right. I had that wrong. Um, okay, again, from the uh, Stand and Deliver book, I wanted to read another quote. A newspaper had given me the idea for Dog Eat Dog when I'd read the line reportedly used by Britain's newly elected prime minister of the
1: day, Mark well, Thatcher. What actually... It's actually given me the idea for, but never
0: mind. <laughs> oh, see, this is why I asked these things. Okay, so you came up with the idea
1: of the of the title. Dog no, dog I just I just what? said, oh, that's a good title. Oh, that's all ah,
0: I said. Oh, nice. There you go. And when the song kicks in with those d- drums fading in, announcing two drummers, Terry and Chris Merrick. Yeah. Um, is that why you placed it at number one? You thought this is this is kind of easing people in, or not easing that's the wrong word but the fade in this sounds perfect as a track one
1: yeah okay yeah I just, yeah it's, yeah, it sounds good at the beginning okay
0: okay um, let me say one other thing in here the producer of Top of the Pops rang in the third week of October and asked if we'd be able to appear on that week's show to perform Dog Eat Dog yeah the call came on a Wednesday morning could we be there that afternoon <laughs> Did bears shit in the woods. So that's a definite yes. Basically, what? how impactful was that first time on Top of the Pops?
1: Impactful? what? For?
0: Getting the call it, it, to be on Top of the Pops.
1: What, for us or, or, or yeah. for, for the world? Uh, well, yeah, well obviously, well we're hardly gonna turn it down, are we? We're a top we're a pop group. Um, sure. Yeah, there wasn't kind of much like, oh, you know, are we selling out? I mean, uh-huh. it, obviously we're gonna do it. Yeah. You know, if we if we turned it down, we'd be off to we'd be off the label. It's like well, fuck you, you're going to do this properly or not? <laughs> no, well, obviously, you know, Sony going to going to go. Are you taking the piss? This is what you're supposed to be doing, or you right. gonna just are you just going to wank about like students? Yeah,
0: yeah. In the book, he he was like, yes, absolutely, we were well, there. Course. Was that your first time on top of the pops?
1: Yeah. Oh no, I've done it thousands of times before. I was, you know, like I was twenty. Well, I didn't know if you'd done it with Susie or no, Rama no, Rima no, or anything no, like no. Okay. no. Reem Marie never got near a okay. TV studio. No,
0: <laughs> okay. Um, was that a thing? Did you tell your parents, guys, I'm gonna be on top of the
1: pops mm. this week? You got to watch mm. it, mm. Mm. of course. I told everyone, yeah, yeah. I told everyone I met in Good. the street people I didn't know <laughs> strangers guess what I'm going to tell you tomorrow <laughs> oh
2: that's great I love
1: it that's good yeah, top, okay. top of the Pops Top of the Pops you know because we only had we only got t- three TV channels and only two music shows so, and, yeah. a week and Top of the Pops was the big deal it's the, t- it's the show that everybody watched it's the show that you grew up watching you know dreaming of Yeah. this is your big break yeah, yeah, I believe
0: it. I mean, that's the that's the the line where things get big for mm. any
1: British band at that mm. time. Yeah, that's um, the you know that's the show that means you're proper. Right, I could see that. Uh,
0: okay, track uh, two, Ant Music. I like this song a lot. I wanted to read a little snippet from the uh, 6th of December, 1980 version of the NME. It says, Adam is making a bubbly, babbling pop music that's actually less obvious and ordinary than when Adam fancied himself as a different sort of rebel slash devil. The surprise of seeing Adam on top of the pops was one of the year's most refreshing jolts. Ant music is about seven times better than doggy Dog. Eat Dog. The glitter billy skid scroll <laughs> tribal celebration. I don't know, it's
1: seven times. <laughs> <laughs> Why seven times? Why not ten? Why not two times? Why? <laughs> I don't
0: know. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, Adam's turned himself into a pop event. Rejoice in its at its corniness and liveliness. Which uh, sounds good and sort of faint praise at the same time. Were you guys getting any kind of slack for being corny or, you know, pinups but not real musicians?
1: Uh, not yet. No, okay. not yet. Most of the praise was just, um, just total overboard. You're so wonderful. You are so huge uh-huh. at that point. It was just total, you know, overboard, over the top love really okay. at that point.
0: Okay. I was, I think I counted... I could be wrong, but I counted at least five self-referential songs on this album. Yeah. Where, you know, there's Ant Music, there's uh, Press Darlings, there's An Invasion, there's The Magnificent Five, and um, Kings of the Wild Frontier, obviously. Yeah. What, what, why were you guys writing songs about yourselves? Well, that wasn't me. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
1: good was... point, good point. Maybe, maybe we might too overboard, really, but...
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> But it's sort of crea- It's cementing a legacy before you've even. It begun. is
1: cementing a le- legacy, and like, like I said, it was creating its well, own world, which is part. You know, it it was one of the ideas behind it. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: again, genius stuff coming from you guys in the 79, 80 period. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, unplug the jukebox and do us all a favor. That music's lost its flavor, lost its taste. So try another flavor. That's one of the greatest lines ever. Um, do you, um, I mean, I know you two aren't close anymore, but can you appreciate to this day, some of the just wild lines yeah, that course. Adam would come up with? Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course I do. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of those. That's a, that's a bit of genius right there. A line yeah. like that. And the way it fits into that song and even, you know, um, I think this is the first song that had like a really official video to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. it was. It was. Yeah, it was the first time I had with really official video, because it you know people weren't making videos yet. Uh, it wasn't not every not every song had a video. Not everybody had the budget to make videos. They weren't you know that um, from then then on every song needed a video. Yeah, so that wasn't that wasn't yet you know the rule. Right, Kings
0: and uh, Dog Eat Dog both seemed more. I was looking at them today. I feel like they're more kind of performance videos, whereas amp music. He, you guys are in a club and there's a giant yeah. plug going into a, you know, yeah. jukebox. Because and...
1: I mean, I mean, I mean, there were bands sort of making. It was just them playing. Yeah, which seems to be. I mean, I did even at the time. I thought, well, why, why doing this? This is just you <laughs> with like, you know, right? Uh, you with guitars. So, but this is your, you know, if you're going to do a video, why are you just, why is it just you with your guitars? I mean, you can, people can see that mm-hmm. when they're going to see you, like you can, this is your opportunity to do something else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you guys really kind of expanded on all of that on Prince Charming. Were you frustrated ever that, I don't know if Kings was making much of an impact in the States. Were you thinking about that at the time? Were you? Well, well
1: we were very young. We hadn't really thought about that stuff. You know, that, that is just something that we, we, we were talking about. That was being explained to us by kind of grown ups
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, there is another world out there that you're going to have to start thinking about right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're going to yeah. have to start getting airplanes and going to other countries and and big countries where you sell more records. Yeah. And that sounded very exciting, you know, right. uh, all these things you know is revealed to you as you go along yeah and, and doing interviews and stuff like that but there's no kind of guidebook or, or no instructions that you get as a a young pop star especially not in those days i actually sort of think i don't it's not a program i watch but don't get me wrong but i i saw a thing about the kardashians and it was like mm-hmm. the, the thing with Some young card I don't even know really what they do, but they were suddenly like saying they had to do some interviews for some one of their projects, I don't know, whatever it is they do. And like their PR company said, okay, right, you know, we're going to do you're going to start doing interviews for this thing that you're doing. And now we're going to pretend that we're journalists and we're going to do like a mock interview, right, so that you know what to say. And I thought, bloody hell, why did we get that? Why did we get that? Because <laughs> no one ever says that. What is this interview? Look, the reason you do this interview, right, is to sell this thing. So, this is how to steer the interview toward the thing that you want to say, right? When they ask you questions, right, this is how to steer it towards mm-hmm. what it is you're doing, you know, which is basically to sell your product. Right. Yeah. No one ever. Said that this is you know this is what it, it, if they'd done that it's like just you know like one mock interview with with the PR you know right. that, my god right okay fucking what bloody hell right this is what you have to do not not just go and sit in this yeah. room with this bloke you don't know and then you know
0: yeah you know, cause yeah
1: like, yeah nineteen twenty I've no idea what I'm supposed to say what I'm, or I'm not supposed to say yeah I believe it. <laughs> Were you called upon to do interviews very yeah. often?
0: And did you do them by, themself, by yourself, or did you go with him? Sometimes,
1: or? sometimes I did not by myself. I'm sure. That I, I know I said all the wrong things. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I said all the wrong things, so I just simply answer, answered the questions, yeah. which is not what you're supposed to do. No. <laughs> and I'm sure, what did you say? Well, I answered the questions. No, you're not supposed to just answer the questions. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. Not, so i'm not supposed to answer the questions no yeah okay <laughs>
0: yeah yeah you gotta be you gotta play the game you know you gotta be yeah, out well, there playing you the tell game, me selling yourself. what the
1: game is and how to play it i'll do right. that <laughs> right you tell right. me what the game is i'll do that
0: yeah um i want to read another quote this is from the book 80s chart toppers every chart topper tells a story it says that <laughs> i thought this was kind of a funny quote adam said after the after uh selling a quarter of a million copies. I went out for a curry. I like food, any sort of food, really. I'll eat anything, (laughs) but I don't don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke and I don't take drugs. I've never taken drugs. I keep pretty clean. I'm sure he said that, but it's an odd pull for a quote for this particular book. How did you, I know, I think drugs were probably handily a part of your life, if not his. Was that that ever an issue? Well, drugs are
1: part of my life.
0: I don't know, were they? I just am no. guessing. Oh, really? No, oh, okay. not part of my
1: life. No, why would you think drugs are part well, of my drugs? Well, I just
0: life? assumed everybody was on drugs back then. If you're a rock star, you can get them whenever you want. And I know you liked partying
1: and being a being a rock star, you know? Well, some aspects of it, but no, I, I don't. No, I never did drugs. No. Oh, good. Okay. They they don't don't work on me in the same way.
0: Were you guys foodies? Did you go get a curry with Adam when
1: you... Is that how you guys celebrate? Yeah, that's one of the ways we celebrated, yeah. But no, no, drugs have never been a part of my life, no. Okay, good. I I just assumed... You'll be surprised if some people it doesn't appeal to, nor does it work on. Good. Good for you. I like that. Um, Yeah. I
0: wanted to... uh, There was another quote I wanted to read you that kind of made me think this. This is from you. This is also from that Mad World book. Um, You said, we said, look, we want to be this pop band with two drummers and lots of makeup. They were baffled. We said, let us try and explain. (laughs) You know, pop stars, right? You know how they go on telly and they like guitars and girls and money? And they said, that's what you do? That's what you want to do? Because that was the uncool thing. But we said, yeah. So you were just very bold about, yeah, we want to be the full rock star you know what
1: they had the, what had happened is that kind of the the, the 70s had happened in, in england and 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 there's obviously there was led zeppelin and that and, uh-huh. and then punk had happened that whole thing had kind of gone out the window and record companies then were kind of it was sort of full of like a and r men who are around about well, we thought were very old and they were uh-huh. they were sort of 24 25 And they read The Enemy, and The Enemy was also full of people who were like very sort of 25. And these were people who kind of missed punk Mm. and they thought they would catch up by punk, they would have these punk ideas. We were 21 and hadn't missed punk and been involved in punk and started punk, and by that time had jettisoned punk because we'd gone through it and said, Well, we've done that. Yeah. And, And kind of, and, we've done that, we don't need to do that anymore and we want to do the things that we were excited. We got into music because we liked Mark Boland and David mm-hmm. Bowie and Roxy Music and Mark Boland drove a Rolls Royce because it was good for his voice <laughs> so we'd like to do that Oh, that's great. and they were kind of like um, ideologically kind of uh, crippled by like not really being quite sure. oh no but this is like but what will the enemy say? Yeah. And we were like, oh, we give a fuck what the enemy say. You <laughs> know, I don't know what you, we're, the, we're musicians and we don't give a shit. Yeah. So why do you, you're and so why do you, don't fucking worry about them.
0: <laughs> right, right. It's funny, the uh, Children of the Revolution is being used in a milk commercial here yeah. in the States. And my kids love this song. Yeah, and so uh, we've been, I've been playing it in the car because I, I, I love T-Rex. And, have, and so we just put it on repeat, sing every word, <sighs> scream it at the top of our lungs. It's one of the greatest feelings of fatherhood I've ever had is having my kids want to listen to Children of the Revolution over and over and over again because they heard it on a milk commercial.
1: You know what I mean? I know. You it's had to explain. You had to, it's almost like you had to explain to these 25 years. look there is no revolution coming right (laughs) Right. it's a joke right Right. no revolution Mm. no revolution so let's just worry about making us rich if you don't want to be rich (laughs) don't worry about it we do (laughs) that's great if you're going to be rich you give the money away to whoever you like right you do what you want with it i'm going to be a rock star exactly
0: yeah okay (laughs) Uh, let's talk about Los Rancheros. There, it's, a, it's just kind of a funny, silly little song with the twangy guitar, cowboy guitar sound, and those bullet sound effects happening in the background. <laughs> Uh, was it meant to be just sort of a fun little track? Yeah, right,
1: yeah. For me, it was inspired by Prairie Rose by Roxy Music. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Nice. I read somewhere that how you, I mean, Mick Ronson and uh, Roxy were huge for you.
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. 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 The the, the the beginning is a little bit like Prairie Rose by Roxy Music. Okay. At
0: least that's what was in your
1: mind at the time. When you're yeah, of, okay, the rest good. of it is really nothing like it. Sure,
0: sure. <laughs> um, I would say the other sort of silly trifle little song on there is Jolly Roger. Um, yeah. It's got the coin sound effects and, I, and, and in the background the whistling. And I yeah. wondered if you specifically, because the pirate aspect was sort of your style at the time, did you feel like you needed a song that spoke directly to the pirate? look or were they not connected oh really they were of course they're completely connected (laughs) okay okay that's why it's there okay okay some of the assumptions i'm making are right and some of them like
1: the drugs are wrong so i'm just no it's it's there because it's bleeding obvious
0: okay good <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, good. Um now I want to tell you, another one of the I mentioned a second ago about singing Children of the Revolution with my kids. Yeah. Feed Feed Me to the Lions is another one of those songs. Yeah. And we'll go around to each other and just say, to the lions, you know, to each it's kind of this fun, funny thing that we do. I really love that song. <laughs>
2: Emotional are we? Too emotional are we defiant. one yeah.
0: Do you remember anything in particular about writing it? It's another sort of pirate uh, stylized
1: song. Yeah. uh, The original guitar solo wasn't Lawrence of Arabia. It's something else. (laughs) Okay. It's something something else that is stolen. I can't remember. It didn't really fit. Um, Nor does Lawrence of Arabia really fit. (laughs) Born, Born Free. Oh, right. That was the original guitar solo, but it isn't anymore. Ah, huh.
0: when you—this is a question I've always wondered, and I've—I've I've, I've never asked it. When you go out and you play these songs live, when you guys yeah. the tour, do yeah. you have—are you—you hold yourselves responsible for recreating the solos note for note like they were on the album, or do, is that an
1: opportunity to improvise? Well, anything—but that's that those those are written parts. They're okay. not. They're, they're not kind of like widdly widdly woo kind of like uh, yeah. uh, uh, improvised solos. Those those are actually written, written melodic parts. So okay. no, no, they're no, they're played like that.
0: Okay. Um, I didn't know if a solo, if a guitar solo could be seen as sort of a fluid thing that would change from night to night, like jazz might, or if it's locked in. The notes matter very. You know, they're very important. You got to
1: recreate this. No, it's a written Well, you do what you like, whatever works. True, I suppose. true. But but okay. that's you know, those are written parts that uh, a part of the song. So yeah. for me, it had to be played like that. Okay. Okay. Until I decide. Until I decide <laughs> that you don't. But right. you know. It's all up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Where well, it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. I was
0: kidding. I was curious. The hey hoes like in the background little textures like the bullets and the coins and those sound effects and stuff Who's making those decisions? Is it Chris Hughes who produced this who's also in the band Merrick? Yeah, or is it Adam or is it you guys collectively? How does this? I think
1: so. so, I mean uh, the vocal parts were Adam and all the other stuff is sort of everybody collectively really Really? Yeah. Like, okay. Why don't we put a bullet sound on it? <laughs> <Right. you
0: know>? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just curious. All right. Um, now, the version of this album that I have is the U.S. version, and yeah. uh, there are two songs on here that I. It's funny. I didn't know this ahead of time until getting ready to talk to you. My two least favorite songs on the album are "Press, Darlings" and uh, and "Physical."
1: why they put them on. I really don't. Yeah. And
0: it's, I mean, they're fine, but they sound, they're so, like, metal, heavy metal-y, you know? They're clearly from more of the punk days, and I didn't realize that they were leftovers, I guess, from... They're the big,
1: they're big, well, they're B-sides. They were B-sides. They're, they're like, uh, you know what I was saying earlier, when I was talking to him, it's like, when he kind of had, he just had this conversation. This, when he said, I don't know even know if I want to do this, and I said, no, you've got to do it because are really good. And, and uh, at that point, I thought, well, I don't even know. What, what do we do with them? And it, yeah. it's like, well, we should recall them. You know, and we recorded we, we them as B-sides for the singles. So they were B-sides for the singles. I mm-hmm. said, I think it uh physicals B-side of Dog Eat Dog, mm-hmm. and Prestars was the B-side of Kings Wild Frontier. Oh, okay. And yeah, they don't bloody fit on that album because, like I said, um, it, it was supposed to, it's its own world. It's mm-hmm. its own world. What world that is, I don't know. But, it, you know, it's this feel of a universe that you've created, this piratey, y cowboy-y, yeah. cinematic-y, cartoony, tea-y, <laughs> yeah. you know. Right. Yeah, that's te- why I feel that way, because these color, don't really fit in. Yeah, and They
0: don't
1: fit in. Yeah. So well, that wasn't my decision. They just—I don't know whose decision that actually was. They just sort of appeared on there by osmosis. Weird. And why? Yeah. But okay. That was, was a, that was an uncreated decision by somebody somewhere, by an American somewhere. Um, <laughs> probably, yeah.
0: What, oh, they oh, thought,
1: yeah. why, what they thought it added to them, I don't I, to this day, I think, what do you think, How? in what way does this improve it? Yeah. It doesn't. In any yeah. way.
0: It's, um, I've seen Adam a couple of times now in the last 10 years or so because I never got the chance back in the glory days. And uh, unfortunately, the sound of these songs, like Physical and Press Darlings, is yeah. what his live shows sound like to me now. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that... That subtlety or the nuance or the fun, the element of multicolored fu- fun that was going on or technicolor fun that you guys were doing, is kind of lost. They're very these they're very hard, uh, sort of gloomy, metally shows now, and they, they're not as much fun. And it really bums me out because it feels like he's leaning the the subtlety has been over overridden by these heavy, heavy guitars of songs like these. And it's not as much fun.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, 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 took, a, I took a kind of um, I, I, I took advice from William Shatner. I mean, mm. not personally. Not personally, as I've never <laughs> met him. But it's like, mm. um, he said that you know he did. He hasn't watched like the new Star Trek mm. deliberately. So, when people say, Hey, William, Captain Kirk. What do you think of the new Captain Kirk? Mm-hmm. He can say, "I don't know. I've never seen it," yeah. so he doesn't have to give an opinion. Got it? So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I don't have to give an opinion. There I you don't go. Know. There you go. I'm sure it's. I'm. I'm sure it's very good. You know. Yeah.
0: It. Uh, I mean, it's great to see him. It's just it loses some of the fun if you ask yeah, me. Yeah. I mean,
1: I can't. You know, in terms of rock guitar, there is. Uh, there is a, a lot of difference between, between say mick ronson's rock guitar and i don't know a rock guitarist you can name i don't know let's yeah. think uh i can't think of one but like, uh, let's say st- uh, there's a there's a lot of there's there, i mean steve stevens say is hmm. not a heavy metal guitarist no he's not a heavy metal guitar i mean he is but right. he isn't no i i hear what you're saying yes um
0: in fact i saw um, i mean there's, there's,
1: there's he... a difference between there's there's a difference between, say, uh, Steve Stevens and Dimebag Carroll, Very (laughs) good. Yes,
0: yes, that's what I'm thinking,
1: yes. They're both brilliant, they're both both brilliant. They're both fucking brilliant. But Steve Stevens isn't the same thing. Agreed, that's it, yeah, I agree.
0: In fact, that kind of leads me to the next song, Ants Invasion.
2: I would make my way home Any antics in the
0: Um, another self-referential s- song, but there's this wickedly dark glam. Meta- well, that's what I wanted to ask you: is it sort of a metal lick
1: or a guitar or a glam lick? Maybe I'm. Maybe it's I'm hearing things. Is, it's a is glam it? lick. Okay. Okay. no yeah. okay. But is it, there's a difference between glam and, and 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 metal. Yeah. What that difference is, I don't fucking know. But it's
0: just. Yeah. yeah. There's just a vibe. I know. I'm with you. There, like you said, Steve Stevens. I saw Billy and Steve. Uh, in the same venue, I saw Adam a few months later, actually, and it's a lot of guitar noodling from Steve, but it still feels it different is, than like Metallica does, or something. Yeah, it's not. You know?
1: it, it's not dark. It, it, no, they're both American metal guitarists, but Steve's different. He's got yeah. a pop edge, and he's got you know, and yeah. it's also you know, but obviously, obviously Billy as brings that you know English sense, pop sensibility to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just a difference there. It's interesting. Huh. I, um, can't exp- I can't. I can't. You know, I can't take you through the fucking notes and explain what the difference right. is, but there is. <laughs> there is. I know. I always wonder if it's in the fingers. Is it in the fingers? Is it in the production? Like uh, no, I mean, it's 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 in the it's in the sensibility and the choice of mm-hmm. notes. It's in the melody and the the, the 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 idea that there's a tune to it. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, you always know. Richard Thompson or Mark Knopfler you know them the second you hear a note or two but that's not true for every guitarist ever so I just am, no. I'm always where do they come up with this you know why does the same instrument sound different out of their fingers because or yours different people you know different yeah, people. yeah 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 your fingers too Okay, Killer in the Home, how, inf- I mean, it's obvious, it's a Link Ray, rumble lift, almost exactly. That had to have been the inspiration, I'm guessing.
1: Well, of course it's the inspiration. Um, I think I'd like to take the, the credit for being the first person to steal it. Um, really? <laughs> no, actually, no, I'm the second person to steal it. I mean, the cramps which it off, um, aren't they? You know. True. But I think I'm the first person to steal it and bring it to a wide audience. Probably, yeah. You're probably right.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that? Uh, I mean, were you as heavily influenced by Link
1: Ray as like Jimmy Page was? Oh, well, I didn't know he was heavily influenced. Oh, really? By Link. Oh, yeah. I was. I was never like a Zeppelin fan. I was never because I, I kind of oh. missed that. I was kind of too young for that. Okay.
0: This, uh, this documentary came out about 10 years ago called It, Get, it Might Get Loud. Yeah, I saw yeah, it. I
1: saw it. I, okay. saw it. I, know, I
0: know that documentary. Yeah. So, and there's this great scene of Jimmy where they start playing Link Ray, and you see yeah. his eyes just light yeah. up because that sound, and he, he mimics the sound effect on his air guitar and yeah. everything. You can tell that that just that was what really turned him on. Yeah.
1: Now, Pete Townsend was as well because there's a brilliant, they do a. The Who's got I've got this track called Wasp Man, and mm. I think it's on. It's an instrumental, and it's just In Link right. It's Link Ray. Right. It's, it's on the uh, B side of a track called Relay. It, it's another Link Ray type riff. Yeah.
0: Are you still uh, like a music
1: collector? Do you go to record stores and look no. for obscure 45s and stuff no, like that? No, I used I used to, but now you yeah. can, you don't have to. No, I'm I, I'm not interested in the actual vinyl itself. I'm. Mm. I'm a, I'm interested in the track, you know, the yeah. the, the music on it. I don't uh, need to own the actual plastic thing.
0: Okay, okay. Do you um do you store all your music like in iTunes, like a lot of people, or something yeah.
1: else? Yeah. Okay. No, I like iTunes. It's all on my many drives and computers yeah. and things. So I need because I, I want to play it. You know, I sure. need to hit. I want to. I don't want to, have to go through thousands and thousands and thousands of boxes every don't want to listen right. to something. Right. right. <laughs>
0: Where do you get off on listening to music? Do you listen in the car? Do you listen at home? Just all the time?
1: Yeah, I listen listen to the car. I listen, you know, a lot. I don't don't listen at home that much, but I I, I, I do listen in the car. Yeah. Do you
0: find that you go back to the standards? Is it always T-Rex and Roxanne and stuff like that?
1: Sadly. Although I'm not sad about it anymore. No, you shouldn't
0: be. That's the beauty of life, especially now that you have access to all the music you want. Yeah. I can listen to Adamant anytime I want, Yeah. and as many times as I want. You know, Yeah.
1: it's the best. Yeah, because you're 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 open to anything, any any time ever. Yeah, but having kind of um, now living with younger people, which I never wanted to do, but uh, <laughs> it's like having to listen to their music, which is strangely, see things like Nick Cave, and you think, oh, do you really really want to listen? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does your girlfriend have kids? Yeah. They don't, oh. live, they
0: don't all live here, but... Wow. So you're someone's step-boyfriend?
1: Yeah, step-boyfriend. I'm
0: well, trying I'm, to imagine I'm, I'm, Marco Peroni as my dad, so to speak,
1: or my... Yeah, well, it's not so bad. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not. That's what I mean. The uh, youngest one is, like, really was uh, became fixated by Nick Cave. Wow. Like, yeah, I thought uh, okay. Oh, a Nick Cave <laughs> like, fan? Yeah, well I got not Yeah. Okay. I, not a huge. I mean, I don't yeah. want to dress up like Nick Cave or you know? anything <laughs> that. But he's <saying>? like <laughs> <laughs> I think he's But I do, I do have some of his records.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good.
1: But um, I have lots of Lou Reed records and yeah. pictures of Lou Reed on, on the wall and stuff like that. But I, I never tried to f- foster, you know, Lou Reed onto anybody until one yeah. day she said, I was reading an interview and Nick Cave was going on about Lou Reed. It's like, w- what's he like, this Lou Reed? I said, well, <laughs> 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 this Lou Reed bloke, what's he like? Well, um, I, well you know, you can listen to stuff, stuff like that, but you're probably not going to like it. Right, uh, and it's like, well, Nick Cave really likes him. I said, okay, well, <laughs> then, <laughs> then she sort of listened to it and said, it's, it's not this good, not that good, this Lou Reed bloke, is he? I said, well, I, said yeah, I, I didn't think you're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, tell us the best unheralded Lou Reed album.
1: Unheralded,
0: what do you mean, unheralded, yeah, or underappreciated. You know, like what's Transformer? of Obviously, is the. Great yeah, that's one. my
1: favorite one of the students. Me Should too. be everyone's. It should too. be everyone's one. Unheralded. What? I don't know what Under the, the one radar. That no the one that nobody likes. Yeah, which one do you the one, like? The ones that the, ones, we that, check the out? ones that nobody likes is probably unliked. But uh, I don't know. Um, but is there one you like that? Most God, people he's know? done because he really did loads of ones that wasn't very really good. He's um, got so
0: <laughs> much garbage out there. I mean, I love the guy, but he's got a lot of garbage
1: in his canon. What's the one with Ordinary Guy on it? I'm oh just gosh. an ordinary guy. Arden, is yeah, Sally? Uh, Miss Trial is sort of all right. <laughs> I saw him in concert once. Do you know what, I went, I had seen him a couple of times and he just bollocks,
2: really. Uh, <laughs> and yeah.
1: Adam and I were in New York once with absolutely nothing to do. And he was playing the bottom line and I said, we really should go and see Lou Reed. And Adam said, I've never seen Lou Reed. Is he any good? And I said, Well, um, no, not really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's great! And,
1: and, and he said, Well, then we shouldn't really go, then, should we? And said, I said, Probably not. But we should go. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can get us in, then... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And we're there's a there's, so there's uh, there is a a, a video called Lou Reed Live at the Bottom Line, which we're actually in. So really? You know, yeah. There's a oh. shot shot of us, and it's brilliant. It's just that he was actually really, really good. Oh, good, yeah, good. And I was, yeah, actually you never pleased know. That, no, him. you never know. I actually was quite pleased that I got him for nothing, just yeah. in case he was rubbish. but he wasn't. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I
0: saw him once, probably uh, 2000, 2001 or something. And he was, you know, promoting one of those latter day albums, yeah. that I really cared about, and yeah, um. It was long, and it was a slog, and I took friends like, no, you guys, Lou Reed's That's never going to come to Salt Lake City. You got to believe me, this is a big deal. My friend and his wife were just bored out of their B- minds. Bored, yeah. Yes, it was rough. Um, okay, we only got a couple tracks left. Magnis- Magnificent Five, another self-referential. I got to be honest, this is the track I forget. <laughs> most forgettable <laughs> song. I always have to be like, which one's that again? You know? Oh, yeah, 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 that one, that one. You know what I mean? I don't have to do that with any of the others, but this one I kind of do.
1: All I can say about this song is it's really, 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 really hard to play. Really? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why, because I, I, even though I myself wrote it, there's something about the chords that sort of go backwards, and I don't know why I wrote it like that, but it made sense at the time. But trying to play it live, I keep forgetting
0: that they go backwards. <laughs> See now, I can appreciate it in a new light. Um, and again, there's another one where it's I'm I can't tell if these are metal guitar licks or glam rock licks going throughout the songs. Knowing you <laughs> and your history is probably glam. Yeah, there were,
1: I don't know
0: any metal guitar. I don't I, I, I don't like heavy metal. Yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> true. Does this? Did the album sound when you heard the final product? Did it sound? Like what you had in your head as you were creating it?
1: I didn't have anything in my
0: head before you
1: oh. created <laughs> okay. it. Okay. It didn't, it didn't exist yet.
0: But does it sound like what you wanted it to sound like? Are you happy with it? Or was it like, yeah, we
1: nailed this. I was happy with it, yeah. Okay. I, it, it didn't, yeah. I didn't have anything in my head because we, had an invent, we were inventing it as we were going along. Okay. It hadn't existed yet.
0: Okay, okay. You know, sometimes people will say, you know, I in the in the production it turned out too glossy or it wasn't quite what I had in mind, and I just wondered if you felt that way. But it sounds like it's
1: you were happy with the turnout. Well, it's like saying, you know, what does you know Brundy glam rock soundtracky pirate music sound like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it sounds like.
2: We're going to have true. to
1: make it and see what it sounds like at the end. It's like. When you make it, you think, "What? Well, this is what it sounds like."
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, good point. Like, before,
1: okay. before you, before you go and do it, I don't know what it sounds like. Well, if we just do it, then we'll find out. Right. That yeah. was like, you know, we had to. So you have to make it, then you find out that oh, this is it what it sounds like. Yeah, here it is. Sounds like, yeah, it <laughs> is. It sounds like this. It's this is this is apparently what it sounds like. <laughs> we just created it. Yeah, we, just we made it up. It. This yeah. is it. Okay. <laughs> This um, is what happens, this is what happens, <laughs> right? If, if if you do this, this is
0: what happens. Right, I love it. Um, okay, I want to, uh, Don't Be Square, Be There. At the very beginning of the song, it sounds almost like Disco. This song is genius, another ant music for sex people, sex music for ant people. What does that mean? Who knows, but it's great. It and, and then it references Dirk wears white socks again yeah. for some reason.
1: What was the thinking behind this tune? I don't know. I, I, it's, um, okay. it, was, it was actually kind of one of Adam's old tunes, one of his old really? ideas. He did, never seemed to make, apparently couldn't make it work with the old band. He can not huh. make it work with us. Yeah. I
0: just realized so this is a
1: self-referential just, one. Yeah, so it was like, a kind of manifesto thing. I don't think we sort of did interviews. <laughs> People have funny ideas, don't they? They sort of like say, "Oh, this was a kind of this. This was obviously you trying to dis- destroy disco." No, <laughs> this is, uh, but obviously you just really hate disco. No, did no. <laughs> you say we all hated disco? <laughs> well, everybody hates disco. No, I don't hate disco. Who <laughs> said I hate disco, but everybody does. Yeah, like I don't. said love everybody disco. hates. Yeah, who said everybody hates disco? But people have this sort of weird sort of misconceptions. But, but they have their own sort of you know biases about things. Like you must believe this. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so true. Speaking of biases, I want. Are you familiar with Robert Criscow? Do you know yeah. who
1: that is? I, okay. I, I know the name. I don't, I don't, I I don't, never met him. I don't know anything about right. him. I know he's a music critic. Yes, he is. Uh, I always, I know, to... men- I know he's mentioned on, you know, uh, Take No Prisoners by uh, Lou Reed. Oh, that, 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 that live album that goes on the Yes. Band,
0: it? Yeah, he, uh, uh, boy, that makes sense because he and Lou, I mean, same, similar era, similar age. I, will, I try to sprinkle in sort of what he thinks about some of these albums we do, these deep dives of. You know, he's almost too clever to know what he's talking about half the time, or I'm just not smart enough to pick it up. But he says, uh, this isn't rock and roll, says here. It's sex music, a.k.a. ant music, heralding Arapaho, Apache, Kiowa, pirate warrior ideals as a futuristic reaction against Brit punk nihilism. The scam has whole subcultures working for it in England. But here, it's the sex and the music that'll determine whether Adam is David Bowie or Mark Bolan or Gary Glitter. The sex is your basic line drawings of spike heel stuff redolent of sex, the store, the haberdashery once owned by Adam's ex-manager, the music, needless to say, is rock and roll—a clever pop punk amalgam, boasting true drummers, lots of chanting, and numerous B movie hooks. Um, B. He gives it a B, which is—I okay. think it deserves more than that. But Robert Criscall gives it a B. It's quite good for him. It is kind of. I I I have to admit, I was kind of surprised. I would have thought this would be more in his wheelhouse. I mean, he is—he's just a Velvet Underground devotee to the to the bone. Not that you guys sound like Velvet Underground, but there's a similar, you know, you put on a black t-shirt and uh, the Ramones, you guys, you could all sort of be in the same room together, but maybe not. I don't know.
1: Well, I don't think, I mean that, I mean that from Robert Crisco is actually not, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you like, I'm glad you feel that way. Well, Um, that's okay. I mean, one thing, one thing I was thinking about is that all the thing about, the stuff that everyone was doing in the 80s and, and, and punk uh, uh, is like when we started off, compared with like all the kind of British bands, it's like nothing we did was blues based. Mm-hmm. We had no blues music to base it on. Right. As we knew nothing about it and cared nothing about because well, it was right. all based on other things. None of us knew anything about the blues. And yeah. everything that preceded us, Led Zeppelin is totally the blues. The Rolling Stones is totally the blues. And nothing we did was the blues. Yeah, that's true. I never heard the blues. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't care anything about it. It's
0: funny you mention that. I just saw two or three nights ago, Johnny Marr in concert. He was here. Yeah. Um, do you know him at all? Have you ever no, crossed paths I, I, with him?
1: No, I never met him.
0: Really? No. Oh, see, that's shocking to me. I would just assume you two would be hanging out. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Huh. Yeah. I was thinking of another you know, he's the best too. I mean, one of the most signature guitarists in history, but again, not I don't hear a lot of blues there, you know? He's not coming from that same. We didn't place. come from
1: that. None yeah. of us
0: came from that place. Yeah. Yeah.
1: If I mean, if if we did, we it sort of filtered through other people. Right. Did yeah, come someone else's.
0: Roxy's version of the blues or Mark Boland's version of the blues. Yeah. A copy of a copy. Okay. Yeah. Copy. yeah. Um, okay, last track Human Beings. I love yeah. that song. Um, it's so weird. You're basically throwing out all these Indian tribes Blackfoot, Pawnee, Cheyenne, Crow, Apache, Arapaho. I don't know what Gok Ho means, but no, it sounds cool. No, not
1: do I.
0: This is one of my favorite tracks just because it's so weird, but so fun. Was it always meant to be the last song
1: on the album? No, it wasn't. No, nothing ever had an order. Nothing was ever done uh, for, you know, an end piece or start piece or anything like that. They were just tracks. They were just put together later.
0: I don't know if when rock stars or musicians are recording things, they're thinking, as they're doing it you know what this would sound great at the end of the album
1: Yeah, some, right? so, sometimes okay. you do sometimes okay. you do sometimes okay. you think what just oh this would be really good at the end yeah sometimes as you're writing it you think oh, this would be good at the end yeah or at the beginning yeah. or something right and sometimes so. you say well you used to think oh this would be good this is a good side two opener isn't it but right. you, don't, you don't get side twos anymore do you oh do
0: no, in fact, "Kings of the Wild Frontier" would have been the side two opener back in the day <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, this song is another just silly, frivolous thing, but it's so great. Do you influence or comment on lyrics as Adams writing them, or do you just sit back and let him do his thing?
1: Uh, sometimes I comment. Hmm.
0: Does he wa- does he welcome your comments? No. No. Okay, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> sometimes,
1: sometimes. No, sometimes does. Sometimes he thinks. Yeah. You think, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. And some, uh, there have been times that, that there's been a lyric that I just I really, really, really like. There was one in, uh, in fact, there was one in um, King's Rough Frontier that just wasn't worth a sausage. If it's something about, I just it was was isn't worth a sausage. <laughs> I just could not get it in. I just could not get it in. I tried, honestly tried for hours and hours. It just would not fit. It just doesn't fit. And I love. I just loved that lyric. I just loved it. Isn't worth a sausage? <sighs> some, not. Isn't worth a sausage if it's not a shade too or whatever the fuck it was. I just tried and tried and tried and tried. It just would not fit. It would not fit. Taking things out, putting them back somewhere else, but it just. It was just too long, and I just alone. couldn't cut it up. I just said, I'm sorry. I just tried everything. I just don't know how to get it in there. It's just it's just too long. Yeah. The the line is just too long. I have to take things out. And it just it just does make it just The rest of the song won't fit, and it's just that's incredible. It's, uh, it's, it's just too worried. bad he could okay. have
0: reused it on some other album. You know, slide, slide it into Stand and Deliver or something like no, that. No, we you couldn't.
1: Know? You know, I just wouldn't. Because right. I just thought it was just the best line. It wasn't worth losing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. Uh, It just doesn't fit. (laughs) It's just we couldn't get it. It just makes the song too long, and you you can't tuck a bit out. And uh, yeah, okay. That was just it was just a structural thing. Sure, that is a great line, though. Oh my gosh, Uh.
0: that's great. Well, that's it. That's the end of Kings. You know, thirteen tracks, all of them great. Thirteen
1: tracks is that thirteen was it thirteen tracks? We shouldn't have done that really.
0: We? Well I, that's the version I have. Like I said, that's right. probably the US version. Um right. I don't know what the UK version had on it, but that's I'm going off of the CD I own, you know.
1: Twelve. It was, I wish I had was it eleven or twelve. Yeah, probably. 12. Um I always I always loved that. Rob Zombie's albums always had thirteen tracks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you a
1: Rob Zombie fan?
0: I love Rob Zombie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Wow, I wouldn't have guessed that, but that's cool, too. I don't know, I I just, you never know what people are into.
1: Well, it's so hilariously funny. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, Well, I I like old monster films. I I like like old horror films. Right. uh, I think it's quite clear that so does he. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. You know, and why I was watching a lot of the videos. Were you ever uncomfortable wearing those
1: outfits? No, not really, no. I wasn't really comfortable with being in the videos. So I don't know. Okay.
2: I mean, it's I'm one not, thing
1: I'm, Adam, not act, I'm not. He's beautiful, a nat- you know? What, what, I, what, he's, a, he's a natural performer. I'm not a natural performer. In right. fact, I'm not a performer in any the way, shape, or form.
0: I just wondered if it was ever uncomfortable for you, like, oh, I
1: I don't want to put all this stuff on, but I know No, I didn't mind putting do. the stuff on. Okay. I am I wasn't like, you know, kind of, you know, I, you know, I felt girly wearing the makeup. No, no, I was all right with that. You're okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. If it ever got to be kind of a slog. Um. um
1: no. No. Because I'm, I'm. You know. It wasn't like. Oh. You know. Oh. Do we have to wear this? Why can't we? You know. Just yeah, be yeah. our natural selves. Who yeah. the fuck wants to see that? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, this, you know, I think this album and, and really his peak period is this perfect merging of style, style and substance. You know, they're both there and they're both really um, striking. And unfortunately, I feel like after Friend or Foe, when it started to get into like strip and people of the rock, one, those, the balance wasn't quite as perfect, yeah. you know, on that stuff. You have to have both,
1: and yeah, and we always knew that you have to have both. And well, as you know, we, we come from that background where no, we're not going on stage in t-shirts and shorts. And right. That's not. Right. You know.
0: Okay. Well, tell me, is there a moment on this album that you are particularly proud of? That what that you like I the best, know. or I, oh, you don't know? No, there's okay.
1: no, there's no, there's no moment that I like the best. I mean, it's. Okay. It, it, <laughs> yeah, that you know. Oh yes, eleven minutes thirty-two. I like that bit. Well, that's uh, what no, I want I love no, that. That's what I wanted to know. There's a no, little thing. Because,
0: I do this twangy guitar thing that took me a long time to. Look oh through. no,
1: I, I love it. that bit. No, no, okay. because, no, because it, it doesn't work like that. You know, you kind of oh, love okay. it all, really. I mean, ob- obviously, through the years, there's always like you, you hear it for ages, thinking, "God, oh my God, I want to go back and re-record it." But yeah, you know, after, but that fades. Yeah. Because yeah. it's finished and you shouldn't go back and bloody re record it because it's just, you know, it, I, that never ends. You'll be re record it, recording it for the rest of your life. Mm. It's a bit like Star Wars, isn't it? Right. I mean, right. <laughs> bloody hell, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Just leave it alone. <laughs> just yeah. leave it alone now. I haven't yeah. seen it and stop pissing about with it. Okay. <laughs> it, I agree. You know.
0: um, did I miss anything? Were there any stories or anything relating to the creation of this album that I? Don't probably know millions, about that. You do. I'm millions. sure. I, yeah, there probably are. Yeah. I didn't know if there was one, uh,
1: you know, pressing memory in your mind whenever you. Thousands memory. of pressing memories oh, okay. in my mind. Uh, every day was a pressing memory. was making this play thing. Was
0: it always the plan to have Chris produce the album? Yes, I think it was.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We couldn't see anyone else, basically.
0: Yeah. You know. <laughs> I hadn't thought of this before, but it makes sense. Somebody else, no, let's say nobody else would have had the synergistic idea no. of the style and substance that someone already in the
1: band had, right? No,
0: it had to be one of you guys.
1: And we couldn't describe it because yeah. we, like I said, we didn't know what it was. Like what happens? Yeah, it is. It is like what, so. What happens if we do this, this, and this, and this? We don't know. Let's do it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. It was. Let's do it and see what happens. Right. All oh, right. It's like that. That happens. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, Do you have any idea how many uh, copies of this have sold over the years? It's
1: 63 million. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) People sort of say, people, strange people have asked me like things like, do you know the the catalog number in Japan? It's different from the the catalog number. (laughs) No, I didn't know that. How can you not know? (laughs) <laughs> why would i know what that catalog right. number is that's oh, like that knowing great. what the you know the t- engine block number of a car is i mean who knows that right. Right. so
0: true well thank you for doing this with me marco i hope that wasn't too painful no You're the it was best, great. man you are the best i'm just so grateful you talked to me oh that's, that's great anytime There you have it, the great Marco Peroni, one of the greatest guitarists that's ever lived, and he talks to me. I cannot believe it. Anyway, I hope you uh, enjoyed getting to know Kings of the Wild Frontier a little better. I have to say, I love that album. It's definitely the seminal album. I probably would have gone with Prince Charming or Friend or Foe, but we did a poll on Facebook, and this is the one that won. So we did it because that's what you guys seem to want. I think in the future I might do the ones I want to do. Um, Not that I don't love this, but I just am a little more curious about some of the other things. Anyway, we'll see what July's is. I've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, Mark Opitz, producer, has agreed to come back. uh, Ron Nevison has agreed to come back. Rupert Hine, Mike Lindup from Love 42 said he would come back. Uh, We've got a lot of people who have agreed to come back and do a deep dive with us. It's just a matter of scheduling and putting them in order and seeing who comes out first. So, anyway, I don't know what's gonna happen in July, but it's gonna be a good one, I guarantee you. All right? And thanks as always to Yan the Man. We will talk to you guys soon.